Welcome to Inner Peace to Go, your source for practical, proven strategies to reduce stress and make life easier. I'm your host, Sandy Cohen, and I am so glad you're here. Let's dig in. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Inner Peace to Go. Thank you so much for tuning in. So today we're talking about thoughts, what they are, what influences them, some common thought traps, and how we can steer our thoughts in our favor. Now, I got so interested in how our brains work and the role that thoughts play because I had depression and anxiety, and I was so terrified that something could be wrong with my brain and the way my thoughts operated. This was terrifying to me because I used my brain for my job. I heard um, the writer Jenny Lawson say once, you know, I don't want there to be something wrong with my brain. I keep all my best stuff in there. And that's kind of how I felt. And so learning about the brain has been a passion ever since. And it's been more than a dozen years that I've spent learning about the science of the mind, studying the brain and why we are the way we are. And thoughts play a big role in all of that. I mean, thoughts are how we make sense of the things around us. Look, senses, our senses are also a big source of information, but our thoughts are too. And also our thoughts have the power to make us feel really bad. And that was the case for me. And I know it's a case for a lot of us. We have self-critical thoughts, negative thoughts, doomsday kind of thoughts. So understanding our thoughts, what they are and what affects them is really important especially if we're interested in cultivating inner peace, right? So what are thoughts? Thoughts are electrochemical transmissions between neurons in the brain. Okay, thoughts are chemicals. They're, they're chemical electrical transmissions in our brain. So if you were to look at a brain thinking thoughts, it would just look like zip, zap, zoop. Like it, it's not like you can see uh, words going by, right? They are electrochemical transmissions, and that's the way our brain does all its work as it communicates, neurons communicate with target cells, and that's how we do anything, how we think thoughts, how we move our bodies, etc. So that's what thoughts actually are. But because they have this electrochemical element, they are affected by the current chemical composition of your body and your nervous system. And here's something I learned recently that I find fascinating, and that is that when we're in a sympathetic nervous system state, so that's the activated state, the sympathetic nervous system is what turns on when a tiger jumps out of the bushes and you got to figure out what to do, right? You're either going to fight the tiger, you're going to run away, you're going to play dead. Fight, flight, or freeze is the work of the sympathetic nervous system. And when this system is engaged, we are flooded with brain chemicals, including cortisol and adrenaline. These prepare us to fight, flight, or fight, fly, or freeze. That's the chemical composition that supports those behaviors. So when we're in this kind of a state, our thoughts are naturally going to be influenced towards the negative. We are thinking about whether we need to do any of these essential things to survive. So when your nervous system is activated your thoughts are going to tend towards the negative. That's just a normal biological response. That's the way the chemical composition of thoughts 
is affected by the chemical composition of your nervous system, of your body. So you're thinking about running away. You're thinking about surviving. On the other hand, the opposite of the sympathetic nervous system is the parasympathetic nervous system. Instead of fight, flight, or freeze, this system is described as sort of rest and digest or tend and befriend. This is the system when we are calm, when we can digest our food, when we can rest, when we can mate. This is the system that is dominated by serotonin, oxytocin. These are chemicals that foster connection, relaxation, ease. So when we are in this parasympathetic nervous system state, when we're in this sort of rest and digest, tend and befriend, our thoughts can be more connective, more compassionate, more easygoing. So that is just the biological chemical effect on our thoughts based on our nervous system. So the example that the doctor gave who was talking about this said that if you've been running from a tiger, right? Like, so you, so a tiger jumped out of the bushes and you ran and you had to run as fast as you could and escape the tiger. That's all that sympathetic nervous system, right? Cortisol, adrenaline, go, 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 hurry, your life is on the line. Then you get to the village and you're safe. And now you're back into the parasympathetic nervous system with the serotonin and all the good stuff. Now you feel like, oh my God, I got to tell the neighbors what happened. This was crazy. A tiger chased me. I just ran my ass off to get here. Oh my God, I'm so hungry. I need to eat something. I need to rest. So this little example shows you how our thoughts are really affected by our nervous system state. And our nervous system state is affected by the things that happen to us, how we process stress, and how quickly we can come back to this parasympathetic condition. So we're always in one or the other, and we cycle through them throughout the day. But because of the chronic stress so many of us experience, we spend more time than is really beneficial in that sympathetic activated state. And because of the chemicals involved with that, you could see that it's affecting the chemical composition of your thoughts as well. I never knew this until recently about how the chemical state of of our nervous system affects the chemical composition of our thoughts. But it's good to know because when we find ourselves in that activated, stressed out state, we can kind of take for granted that, oh, my thoughts are going to lean towards the negative. And we can also restore our system to a calmer state. I talked about this in the vagus nerve episode, and I'll tell you right now, the way to restore yourself to a calmer state is to make your exhale longer than your inhale intentionally and do it until you feel calmer, and then you truly will feel calmer. We have this built-in biological mechanism to calm ourselves. And once you're in that more relaxed parasympathetic state, the chemical composition of your body is going to support more relaxed kind of thoughts, more, more easygoing kind of thoughts. I love learning this because the state of our nervous system is something that's more under our control than we often give ourselves credit for. And practicing the long exhale and doing other relaxation type of exercises can actually change the chemical environment of our thoughts. Another reason that's really important is this negativity bias I mentioned a second ago, and that is we evolved in the savannas, right? We evolved to be aware of danger, 
to, to spot and respond to danger because that is what would ensure the survival of our species. So even though we don't live, most of us don't live in the savannas anymore and we're unlikely to be chased by a tiger, our brains are primed to look for the danger even still. So that creates this negativity bias where we're always sort of, you know, looking around every corner, even subconsciously for, for what might harm us or harm our offspring. This negativity bias leads us to be easily triggered often by any little thing that might stoke fear or worry. And we feel it, right? You could feel that negativity bias when you think, oh, my boss is going to fire me or this is turning out terribly. And these are thoughts that are in line with that sort of negative chemical composition. It's not negative if you need to escape a tiger, but if it's just if you're staying in that activated state, it's priming you for these negative thoughts. And we already have this negativity bias also priming us for these negative thoughts. All the more reason for two things. One, to relax our system so that we're more likely to be in the parasympathetic, easygoing state. And to remember that thoughts are not facts. Thoughts are not facts. Thoughts can be far out. They can be far-fetched. They can be ruminative, they can be unreliable and totally not reflective of reality. And they can change in an instant. I had this happen to me just the other day. So I woke up and I was really tired and I was thinking, and I had had a good night's sleep. So I was like, oh no, this must mean I'm burning myself out, right? My mind already starts. This must mean I'm burning myself out. I've been taking on too much. I'm not, my brain is too tired. I'm not well rested. And I was kind of bummed, like, oh, maybe I'm trying to do too much. And then later that day, I discovered that that tiredness was actually hormonal. And TMI, I started my period, right? So I was like, oh, man, that's why I was so tired. And all of a sudden, my thoughts completely changed. I was no longer, like, blaming myself for taking on too much. All of a sudden, it completely made sense. That would definitely make you tired, and that is totally fine. And now I felt justified in taking a nap. So our thoughts can change on a dime like that, and it's important to remember that that is possible and that our thoughts are not always reflective of reality or they could be reflecting some kind of biased reality, either the negativity bias or some or some kind of bias that we just make up in our own minds, okay? Our thoughts are not always reliable and we have to remember that before we get carried away with them. I know I do because it's so easy to start buying into it and now I'm already beating myself up for taking on too much and it was really just like a hormonal situation making me tired. Another example like that is this idea of if you are in the grocery store parking lot and you're unloading your cart and all of a sudden a cart runs into your leg from behind and you're like, what the hell? And you're ready to turn around and sort of like yell at someone and then there's no one there. The cart is loose. It's just like you're on a downslope and it ran into your leg. And instantly you go from being like angry and offended to like, huh, how'd that cart get there? And your thoughts can change on a dime. So it's another reason to not always believe our thoughts. Unless, of course, our thoughts are stuff that we want to believe that make us feel supported. And I'll get to that in just a minute. But first, I want to talk about thought traps. And there are some very common ones, and they are called cognitive distortions. These are faulty thinking patterns, negative thinking patterns that are universal to us here in the West and maybe all around the world. We get into these thought patterns, we convince ourselves they're real, but they are incomplete and they almost always, if not always, make us feel terrible. 
And we do them all the time. I do them. We all do. A few of the examples are like black or white thinking or extremes thinking, kind of like no gray area, no nuance. She always does this. He never does that without even considering that there are always exceptions to any of these kinds of things. Anytime we make vast generalizations, there are exceptions. So black or white thinking, personalization, taking everything as like, oh, this is my fault, or this had something to do with me. The reason we didn't win is because I didn't make the right play during the game. That's personalization. It all comes down to me and something that I didn't do or didn't do right catastrophizing. This is one of my favorites. (laughs) This is when you just automatically assume the worst. Like I have a, you know, an injury. It's probably, I probably, I have a mole. I probably have skin cancer and I'm going to die. Or the boss wants to see me. It's probably because I'm going to be fired. Just automatically jumping to the worst of the worst. That's catastrophizing. Here's another popular favorite, mind reading, assuming we know what someone else is thinking and assuming that it's probably bad for us. Similarly, fortune telling, assuming that the future is definitely holding something bad for us. We get into these, we think it's real. We think that, oh, they didn't want to come with me because they don't like me. Instead of like, they didn't want to come with me because they actually had another obligation that prevented them from coming. So when we notice these kinds of patterns, if you notice that you are doing black or white thinking, personalizing things, catastrophizing, trying to read minds or tell the future, or another one, mental filtering, where you only see the negative and ignore all the positive, if you notice that you're doing any of these behaviors, it sucks because it's uncomfortable and it's painful, but the good news is this is a thought trap. You can recognize it as such. This means... I'm not thinking right. This means I'm leaving out important information. This means I am not seeing this situation clearly. So if we can remember that when we identify these patterns to know that it means we're not seeing a situation clearly, that can liberate us and invite us to look more broadly. What am I not thinking about? What am I not regarding? What do I need to know here that I've ignored as I'm fallen into one of these thought traps? And it's great to be aware of these thought traps and any of our common thought patterns and to remember that our thoughts aren't facts because we don't have to believe our thoughts. And when we know that, oh, we can fall into these traps, our chemical composition affects how what we think, this is another reminder that you do not have to believe your thoughts. And in fact, you shouldn't believe everything you think, especially if you're in one of those negative cycles where you're like, I'm fat. I'm not cute. Nobody likes me. I'll never be able to succeed. Nobody's going to listen to my new podcast. I'm not a good writer. Any of the negative kind of thoughts that we just think on repeat, you know, let's practice not not believing those. Let's practice not investing too much in those because as we've just discussed, they can be affected by a number of things, negativity bias, negative chemical composition, thought traps, and it's important to remember that we can choose what to pay attention to and what to ignore when it comes to our thoughts. I heard an interesting concept recently from a meditation teacher who said our thoughts are one of our sense doors, one of the ways that our system gets information. And the other sense doors, she says, are sight, sound, touch, taste, and smell. And she put thought into that same kind of category, a way we glean information from our environment. 
And just like with our other senses, we can either focus on the information these senses are bringing or we can ignore them or backseat them as circumstances require. So for instance, if you are watching a movie, you are using your vision and your hearing to be into the movie, to take in the movie. But at no time do you think, I am this movie or this is my new reality. You're, you know that you are perceiving information and then you decide how to respond to that information. And similarly, she suggests that we can do this with our thoughts. We can focus our thoughts on, say, a task that needs to be accomplished, an intellectual task that needs to be accomplished, planning, planning a party. We can focus our thoughts into these things. And we can also unfocus from our thoughts when they're not providing helpful information. We can use our thoughts the way we use our vision, our hearing, our sense of smell, our sense of touch. We don't have to become intertwined with our thoughts, believing we are our thoughts. We can recognize our thoughts as another means of delivering information from our world to us. So I love this. I mean, of course, it's so much harder to do, but just intellectualizing that concept, I think is so helpful because we can see that our thoughts are forever generated, just like our physical senses are forever bringing in information, but we're not always paying attention to all of it at all times. And we can do that with our thoughts too. It takes practice, but it can be done. And the way that we do it is we start to notice our thoughts. We start to notice what we are thinking and how we are feeling in response to thinking those things. So just as I said a second ago about noticing these thought traps, we can notice whatever comes up in our mind. I mean, this is part of what the practice of mindfulness is all about, becoming familiar with our thought patterns and the things that come up in our mind. This is really helpful because then we can decide, pay attention or toss. Do we want to be thinking this? Is there something else I should be thinking that would make me feel better or support me more in whatever I'm trying to do? Should I just ignore this thought altogether because it's completely ludicrous? Is the thought one of these traps, which is a sign that it's not uh, complete or like whole, like holistic type of thought? When we pay attention to what we're thinking, we can start to make these kind of informed decisions about our thoughts, what to invest in and what to ignore. And once we get familiar with the content of our thoughts, we can start being more selective, judicious, and intentional about what we're thinking. We can also recognize what else might be impacting my thinking. Am I really stressed right now? Well, then that might not be creating the most positive and supportive thoughts that I'm capable of creating. There's also a whole school of thought called thought work, which is intentionally thinking thoughts that bring us closer to the realities that we want. But we can't even get into that until we notice what we're thinking, what's going on in our minds, where are we criticizing ourselves, where can we kind of ease up on those thoughts, where can we give thoughts less credence because we know we're in a totally stressed out situation and that automatically is going to make our thoughts more negative. So that's just some basic, my latest learnings about thought. I think it's fascinating because so often we can feel like we're the victim of our thoughts, like our thoughts are happening to us, but we can be selective 
and empowered in the way we respond to our thoughts. We can decide what deserves response, what is incomplete and ought to be let go, what's helping, what's harming. We can be that, we can have that agency over our thoughts. And in fact, we are the only ones ultimately who can have that agency over our thoughts. Advertisers, culture, society, everyone's trying to influence what we think, but ultimately we are the arbiters. We are the decision makers over what we think and believe. And the first step is knowing what all is happening with our thoughts and what are we actually thinking? And do we want to be thinking that? Do we believe it? Should we let it pass by the way we would ignore a stinky smell on the street? It gets your attention, but then you're just like, you tune out of it because you don't want it. So I hope this discussion of thoughts has been informative and interesting for you. I love learning about this stuff. If you want to talk about it further, drop me a note. You can always message me on Instagram. You know, Sandy. And I thank you so much for listening. As always, our affirmation this week is, I choose to think thoughts that make me feel good. I choose to think thoughts that make me feel good. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for being interested in this show. Um, Thank you for thinking about your thoughts. Let me know what you think. And I will talk to you again next week. Hey, if you want to keep the peaceful vibes going, get on my email list. I'd love to send you my free ebook, The Ultimate Stress Busters Guide, packed with actionable steps to bring on the chill. Plus, I'll send you more tips and inspiration every week. There's a link in the show notes and I'll see you in your inbox.